RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, hopefully Santa was good to you because, my goodness, we've come to the end of 2018. And whether you're talking about presents or food or football, it's all coming to end for this calendar year. Welcome in. Oh, it's going to get good, though. Final regular season of the NFL and also college football playoff semifinals, New Year's Day bowl games. We are stocked full. We are locked and loaded here on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable host. He is senior handicapper and writer, VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers back once more in 2018 off a 3-4-3 week. He's taking a bow even though you cannot see him on Three Dog Thursday for having the Troy Trojans in their bowl game with an outright win. And then following up with the New York Giants, who looked like they were going to win against Indianapolis, but he took the nine points. Thank you very much and got that one. And you and I both had the Seattle Seahawks for the Sunday night win as a home underdog against the Chiefs. Kevin Rogers, good to have you. Happy New Year coming up. Congrats on being three for three, sir. Thank you. Happy New Year to you coming up. And yeah, the Giants, I thought they would have won that game outright, but they blew it at the end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it helps to go 3-0. and Now hopefully we can get one more before uh, we hit 2019. Yes, so we'll get to the NFL games a little bit later on in the show. Lots and lots of college football for Kevin and I to be discussing, dissecting, talking about uh, here, including those college football playoff semifinals. We're back around again to the sixth edition of the college football playoff for, uh, or actually the fifth edition of the college football playoff dating back to 20. 20- 14-15 here with the playoff games and we've got the two semifinal games up first will be the Cotton Bowl between Clemson the number two team and the number three team Notre Dame a pair of unbeatens that'll be followed by the nightcap game on Saturday night in the Orange Bowl down in South Florida where Kevin is based with Alabama as the number one seed against the Big 12 champion one loss Oklahoma Sooners so we'll get into that conversation about those playoff games in, in a little bit Those are coming on Saturday as part of the bowl slate. And then the the college game steps aside for the NFL on Sunday and also on New Year's Eve on Monday. Remember, they tried to play on New Year's Eve before, back, what, two or three years ago and had some ratings problems. So this go-around, they've decided to go to the traditional Saturday of games to help. Kevin, what do you make of that on the schedule, just real quick? Because in some ways, they've almost diluted or cheapened the bowls that are coming on New Year's Day because they're being played three days after the playoff semifinal games. Kevin, what do you think? I think they should have found a way to play these games on Monday night. So then you have a week in between the national championship and the semifinal games, and at least you played on Mon- well, actually, Monday would be New Year's Eve, so right, Tuesday, right. rather, excuse me. Tuesday on January 1st that you play the two uh, you play the two playoff games then, and then you have – well, I guess it doesn't work out that way, so never mind. But uh, it, there's really no way to do it because the problem is, is that 
you know, you have all these other games you have to get in, the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and all these other games that really, who wants to watch some of these games? I mean, you know, all these games just don't even, well, first of all, these games don't make a difference anyway beforehand. There's three games that matter, the two playoff games and the championship. It, it just doesn't make sense why those games aren't played towards the end. Well, and and again, part of this is the trial and error of having tried it before and had bad ratings back about three years ago. Now, part of that was Alabama destroyed uh, Michigan State in the nightcap on New Year's Eve, annihilated them. And so that, that can affect things, that can skew things. But, but clearly the organizers with the CFP and with the semifinal games, the Orange Bowl and the Cotton Bowl, are saying, hey, where, where are we going to get the most bang for our television buck? Where are the most eyeballs going to be? So they're going to stick with Saturday on that part of it. But again, we're going to talk about a couple specific games for this weekend in college football and make some underdog picks. But if you're talking about the Fiesta Bowl, if you're talking about the Rose, if you're talking about the Sugar, doesn't it dilute them that they're being played Three days after the games that mean the most, going all the way to Tuesday and January 1st, I think, it, in my opinion, it takes something away. Do you agree? Do you disagree? I think it takes everything away. I mean, who cares about Texas and Georgia? Who cares about Ohio State and Washington? These games mean nothing. You know, that they're just there, and people for you know that root for those schools, okay, you know, you get to go out there, you get to see Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. But, uh, you know, and yeah, and UCF plays in the Fiesta Bowl, that's great, but in the end, who cares if you win it? Who cares if you lose? That's, you know, I think we talked about this last week, that college football is, is really amazing how they, how they can do things. And it's like a Jedi mind trick that they say every game is meaningful, and then the last game of the year is an exhibition game for every team but basically four. Right. And they, have, and they have always had those dangling out there. Now, it is interesting but because for a program like UCF, and I'm going to talk more about them uh, specifically here in a couple of moments, they're going to be playing LSU. There's much more in this game, obviously. You know this, Kevin. We're in the state of Florida. If UCF wins, there is much more involved in this game with a 26-game winning streak, back-to-back perfect seasons, back-to-back New Year's Six Bowl wins against an SEC school if it happens. Clearly, there's more in it for them than, let's say, if Ohio State wins another Rose Bowl. Yes, it's the Rose Bowl. It's great for your fan base. Uh, It's great for the seniors that go out or for the players that have been there for two or three years and have won a couple of big games to win a Rose Bowl. But that's not the same thing. Like you were saying, if Texas upsets Georgia in the Sugar Bowl, in Austin they're going crazy. It's a bowl win, yes. But around the country, are people going to remember that? Who's going to remember that three or four years from now? If they win that, well, no, well, yeah, nobody. Point. But I want to talk about UC, I, mean, I feel like UCF is a hot button topic on on our show every week. That you know, a couple things that it, UCF is a, is is in a no win situation because if they win, no matter the score, yeah, they've beaten uh, an SEC team two straight years. They haven't lost a game in two years, but now what? You, you've won twenty six straight games. You have nothing to show for it. You're that you don't have a shot to play for a national championship. Chances are next year you won't go undefeated again. Right. You know, and even if you do. You're still not going to be in the top four because of the way the system is. And if you lose to LSU, then it's going to be, well, see, told you so. We knew you weren't as good, and, and you lost to an SEC team. So, you know, you aren't as good. So it, UCF is really in a no-win situation, I think. Even if they beat LSU 65 and nothing, I think it still doesn't matter. 
All right, so we'll talk more about that game in a little bit. Again, NFL in a little bit. Let's find out and figure out which way both of us are going to go. And if the college football playoff underdogs, those would be Notre Dame and Oklahoma factor in. So, Kevin, uh, where do you want to begin with an underdog here in college football to start us off with the predictions on Three Dog Thursday? I'm going to go with the Belk Bowl in Charlotte between <laughs> South Carolina and Virginia. It's free overcoats for anybody that wins this game. But, uh, but I can I honestly mean, say, look, let's stop, let's digress. I have shopped even recently in a Belk. Free plug for the sponsor. Can you confess, do you, have you ever graced the doors of a Belk? Have you ever been in a Belk for the Belk Bowl coming up to I'm shop not, for clothes? Or I have not. I don't, where, okay. where I live... They don't have Belk. I mean, yeah, I, they don't have Belk. Belk like Burlington Coat Factory isn't right. kind of the same thing, right? Isn't well, but like yeah, Belk, Belk's got clothes. It's got clothes. It's got coats. It's got different odds and ends, household items, whatever. So uh, you're right. Maybe they will get overcoats. I'm not sure. It's going to be cold and sharp. Yeah. But what about the matchup? Okay, so I look at South, both these teams finished with seven wins in the season. And South Carolina got their seventh win, beating Akron in one of those makeup games for the Hurricane at the end of the year. And South Carolina had three non-conference wins against garbage. And that means they won four games against the SEC. But really, you know, looking at those games, I believe Tennessee was in there, Missouri. That was, a, you know, that was a wild game with Missouri that they won. They really didn't beat anybody of quality. Georgia ran them early on in the season. And I look at Virginia, their last two losses came in overtime to Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech. And the Virginia Tech game, they totally threw away at the end, if anybody saw that, where Virginia Tech, or Virginia, yeah, Virginia Tech went down and they got down the field like in 30 seconds on, on some crazy plays and scored to tie the game, and then they won in overtime. But still, Virginia was 4-1 ATS as an underdog this year. They're an underdog again. I just don't think that South Carolina is that much better than Virginia. And I think this is SEC bias versus an ACC team that really has been kind of average to below average for years. They finally have gotten better this past year. I think Virginia will uh, cover, if not win. Interesting. Okay, so that game again in Charlotte, pitting the ACC against the SEC. I'm going to go with a game that's going on simultaneously as we talk about Saturday and right before the new year. That's going to be the Peach Bowl, the New Year's Six game, Florida Gators against the Michigan Wolverines. These two programs are intertwined a couple of different ways. One of them is that Jim McElwain, the coach of Florida a year ago, fired, runoff, midseason, whatever you want to say, left as they were coming to his door to ask him to leave. Um, he ends up becoming a Michigan assistant under Jim Harbaugh. He's one of the offensive assistants. Michigan, again, the runner-up in their division, losing their last game to Ohio State that cost them the Big Ten championship game berth, cost them any chance at the college football playoff if they had been a one-loss team, uh, much less the Rose Bowl. So now they're in this game. Uh, Florida with three wins at the end of the year, including a, a rivalry win over Florida State and a comeback over the South Carolina team you mentioned where they roared back from 14 down in the fourth quarter to win in their final SEC game of the season. Uh, Gators lost the opening game of 2017 to Michigan, that one at AT&T Stadium in Arlington when the Wolverines beat them on Labor Day weekend. So again, there's there are a lot of different subplots here. One thing that stands out to me about this game is Michigan has several players that have already announced they're not playing, either because of injury and or looking towards the NFL and the NFL draft and turning pro. One of them is the running back, Karan Higdon. Uh, Bush, the defensive player that is supposed to be a first-round pick, says, I'm not playing uh, in this game as well. 
I like Florida's running attack. Uh, Felipe Franks is not going to beat you. We've seen this all year long if you live in the state of Florida. Uh, Franks is not going to beat you throwing the ball if you're watching this game all over the country uh, from the Peach Bowl in Atlanta on Saturday before the semifinals. But they can run it uh, with Jordan Scarlett and LaMichael Pirine. And Florida's defense, nasty at times this season, too. I will take the points and the Florida Gators. I will take the six and a half points against Michigan uh, for the SEC Florida Gators here in the matchup. Atlanta, kind of a, a de facto SEC town. Uh, the, the, the crowd, is, Michigan will bring fans. The crowd will be split 50-50. But I'll take Florida here in this matchup in the Peach Bowl uh, coming against the, uh, the Michigan Wolverines. All right, so there's one underdog from me. Um, all right, I ask you, later in the day, we've got both Notre Dame and Oklahoma as significant underdogs. Do you like either one of them as a double-digit underdog in those college football playoff semifinals, Kevin? No, I don't. And, I mean, it's still ridiculous that you have two double-digit underdogs in playoff games. You know, these are teams three and four in the country, and they're getting this many points. We've seen Alabama get tripped up before in this playoff. We saw it to Ohio State a few years ago. Uh, with uh, what's his name, the third string quarterback, Cardell uh, Jones. Yes, yeah, and nobody gave them a chance at right. all. Ohio State ended up beating them, but uh, well, bigger than Cardell I mean, Jones, Ezekiel Elliott ran all over Alabama, and he ran all over Oregon in both of those games. The run game, yeah, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma's got the offense; they just have to shut down Alabama's offense. I just don't know how much Notre Dame can shut down Clemson, so that's why just both those games are passes. Uh, I've got a stat for you. You love my original research, right? You always love my stats when I come up with – I got it right here on the piece of paper. So Alabama's been involved in three semifinal games uh, since that loss to Ohio State in the first college football playoff. They've been involved in three semifinal games. They would be the Cotton Bowl against Michigan State, would be two years ago in the Peach Bowl against Washington in the semifinal game, and then last year in the Sugar Bowl against Clemson, are you ready for the three combined scores for those semifinal games when Nick Saban had a month to prepare for his semifinal opponent, whoever it was, whether it was Big Ten, Pac-12, or ACC last year? Ready for the number on the combined scores? It was all they're all blowouts. Eighty-four to sixteen. They have yeah. won the three games, eighty-four to sixteen. And last year was kind of mild. It was a twenty-four to six win over Clemson. Uh, so needless to say, when you're looking at that number being where it is for Alabama against Oklahoma, that's why it's what the odds makers, that's what you do for a living, Kevin. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. That's what they're looking at when Saban has time to prepare. And uh, OK, so let's talk uh, just strategically here. We believe that Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to be the quarterback for Alabama. He declared midweek that he's about 80 to 85 percent on the surgically repaired ankle hurt in the SEC championship game. Uh, he was really nicked up in both legs, but I mean, again, he's had a month to rest up. Jalen Hurts played very well in the fourth quarter of the SEC title game. Do you believe, speculate, conjecture, are we going to see both quarterbacks play in this game again? Will Tonga Vailoa battle the injuries here and maybe be ineffective? And Nick Saban's inclined to use Jalen Hurts, who has experience in, in uh, these college football playoffs in the past. What do you think? I'd say so, but I mean, both, I think you can't go wrong with either of them. I really don't think that. Jalen Hurts is going to destroy Alabama's chances of, of winning this game against Oklahoma. I mean, we obviously see he's good enough to take them as far as he could, you know. And look, Jalen Hurts got them, you know, as far as he did last year. And then Tua comes in in the second half. They just had a bad first half against Georgia, you know. So I just really think that it won't matter. It's just about if 
Oklahoma's offense can somewhat score on Alabama's defense. If that's the case, and, and if Oklahoma's defense doesn't give up 50 points to Alabama, then, then maybe they got a shot. But you know what? I mean, this is an Oklahoma team. I feel better, I guess, about Alabama playing Oklahoma than Alabama playing Notre Dame in this round just because I don't know if Notre Dame has that offensive capability that Oklahoma does. So that's kind of the, the advantage Oklahoma has. But, again, with, with these games, it's just too bad that you don't have a little bit of a closer point spread. Well, and Kyler Murray won the Heisman Trophy. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, which a lot of people in the state of Alabama are still bitter about that whole situation that they believe that, and I do too, that Tonga Vailoa's body of work for the first 12 games should have been more of a factor than just the final week of the season. It really, it really wasn't that close. He was the most dominant player. How, how about this? I saw this stat that we're now going into the college football playoff. And in 13 of the games, because Alabama won uh, again by uh, uh, won by at least seven points, Alabama won 13 games this year by seven points or more in all of them. And that had not been done in 100 years of college football where a team won at least 11, much less 12 or 13 games by seven points in all of, seven or more in all of them. So, so it tells you how good they've been, how dominant they've been, and the likelihood is they're going to win and win convincingly. I know Sooner fan doesn't want to hear about that. They, they played heroically with Baker Mayfield last year in the double overtime loss to Georgia. I know last year is last year in the Rose Bowl. But in, in this particular instance, this ain't Georgia – uh, again, this is down in South Florida. Alabama's going to invade here. Oklahoma used to play all the time with Barry Switzer and company in that old Orange Bowl, but we'll uh, we'll see how this one goes. So if I read you correctly, you don't have an underdog opinion on either one of them, but do you believe that Notre Dame has the better chance to hang with Clemson, and, and including Clemson with a couple of suspensions in the early game in the Cotton Bowl? Does Notre Dame have the better chance to hang than Oklahoma does? It's so difficult. It really is. Because, I mean, you look at Notre Dame, and, you know, I said this about them all year, that it's not their fault that Florida State was bad and USC underachieved, but they had them on the schedule. They had names on the schedule, but really, you know, and Notre Dame blew out Syracuse, so we really don't know how good they are, that you say, what's their biggest win? Michigan probably in week one. Right. But besides that, you know, they beat up, you know, Wake Forest, and they beat these other teams that are kind of like, all right, and everyone's got those on their schedule. I'm not, I'm not going to play that game and say, well, Notre Dame didn't beat anybody. But, you know, I, I would have liked to have seen if Notre Dame also down the stretch would have, you know, beaten somebody of a little better caliber. But on the flip side, too, with Clemson, this is the argument we talk about all the time. Who did Clemson beat this year? You know, when you look back at it, they, they squeaked by Texas A&M early in the season. You know, again, Florida State was bad. The ACC was down. So how do we know how good Clemson is? I mean, they beat some teams. They dropped 60 and 70 on Louisville. Louisville was terrible. Like, that's why it's so hard because this isn't the NFL where you have these teams all playing common opponents. That's why it's very hard, I think, to assess it. Well, and you mentioned Clemson went on the road and won that game at Texas A&M, but there are other games out of the conference, Furman and Georgia Southern early on in the year, and they annihilated South Carolina 
late in the year. But, you know, I say that on the scoreboard, South Carolina had 500 yards of offense on them. So let's see if Ian Book and Notre Dame can put some offense on Clemson. Will it be a shootout? And again, uh, the Tigers do have some suspensions. Kevin, stand by. We're going to get to the New Year's Day games, and I've got one more underdog. I know you're holding back two for the National Football League. Let me tell you that Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by Paradise Golf. Kevin and I are living in Paradise in the state of Florida. Wherever you're hearing this show, particularly if it's cold, if it's snowing, if you are coming to West Central Florida, in particular the Orlando and Tampa Bay areas, the seven counties of West Central Florida, we want to tell you about Paradise Golf and the Paradise Golf Winter Card. The Paradise Golf Winter Card available right now with a special offer from us from Three Dog Thursday. This card will allow you to play at 60 premier courses in the seven counties around the Tampa Bay area for a discount of as much as 30, 40, or even 50% half off whenever you're playing. So traditionally, golf tee times are hard to come by in the winter in Florida. Uh, the courses are in fantastic shape. In West Central Florida, you're going to play some of the premier ones uh, that have hosted PGA Tour or LPGA Tour events with a Paradise Winter Golf Card. We want you to go to paradise-golf.com slash football. It's a special page for you to go see the offer for 50% off your Paradise Golf Card. This card will basically pay for itself if you play for a couple times so if you're coming down here out of the northeast from canada if you're from the upper midwest if you're a snowbird coming down to live in florida in particular west central florida for the months of december through let's say late march or early april paradise golf if you're going to play golf paradise golf they're a proud sponsor paradise-golf.com slash football you'll find out how to get that paradise card for half off and even if you are coming just for a vacation let's say here around new year's for the bowl games that we're talking about if you're hearing us now and you're traveling down for the bowl games in orlando or the bowl games in south florida or uh, in tampa or in jacksonville wherever you are they've got a great program called paradise tea times too you can find out about that go to that landing page paradise-golf.com slash football and find out about all these different deals you'll hear all about it from this show you'll read all about it there so if you're looking to play some golf and get out of the cold it's paradise golf sign up and save with paradise golf all right so kevin thank you for indulging me on that here as part of three dog thursday so you're laying off even the new year's day games rose bowl sugar bowl I like that Fiesta Bowl matchup with UCF against LSU. I like the fact that I'm getting six and a half points uh, in that game on New Year's Day. Actually, now seven points in that game on New Year's Day. 11 a.m. local time start out in the desert. Of course, UCF won the early game last year, the Peach Bowl, with Auburn early on in the day. The, The Knights' defense, not as good as what it was last season. I know no McKenzie Milton, the horrible injury in the regular season finale with USF. So Daryl Mack is the redshirt freshman. But look, their offense didn't miss much of a beat in the American Conference Championship game with Memphis. He's an excellent mobile quarterback, a big quarterback. I know LSU's got NFL caliber talent. But I, I just I think UCF is going to win this game again. And you kind of touched on it earlier. What's in it for LSU uh, to win the game? I'll take those points. I'll take the Knights to finish 26 for 26 over the last two years. Um, And, Kevin, I know you're not taking UCF in this game. How intrigued are you? That's the early game on New Year's Day. How intrigued are you with this one out of the Fiesta Bowl? I mean, I guess it's intriguing just to see if they'll finish it off. And, yeah, it's you don't get to see them with their quarterback. So, obviously, you know, it's a bit of a downer for UCF. But it's it's like I I talked about earlier that – 
if they end up winning this game, great, you're 26 and over two seasons, and you have nothing to show for it, except for two bowl wins over SEC teams and, you know, LSU. If they end up winning, then it's the, well, see, the SEC is, or UCF isn't as good as an SEC team, or however you want to phrase it. So, you know, really it's just, it's a shame because we're just never going to see what UCF could really do, and, and you know, we discussed it you know, in the last few weeks, that if they just had a shot against Clemson or even Alabama, whatever, and Alabama destroys them, okay, now we know. Okay, they don't belong. If they give them a game, all right. Maybe these teams that go undefeated, they should have a shot to at least play for the championship, regardless of their schedule, because they did their job. And it's like, what's the point of even having – what's the point of all these teams having – football programs if they're not even can, can compete for a championship yep all right so that's UCF situation I, I will say this and I know what you mean I mean this has put them on the map big time nationally and if they win again uh, next Tuesday before we're back on three dog Thursday in the new year I, I mean their enrollment is through the roof the demand and the waiting list to get into UCF from the notoriety really of the last couple three years along with other factors Orlando's got great weather uh, et cetera, et cetera. they they have been able to fundraise incredibly these games are lucrative for them. This Fiesta Bowl is going to mean three or four million dollars profit for UCF. So it's a big deal for a lot of those reasons. I know what you're saying. It's not a big deal in terms of the record book for national championship or college football playoff. But let's see how big of a deal it is to LSU. Will they try to clobber them? Uh, I do know this. Uh, if this game comes down to matching wits, Josh Heupel versus Ed Orgeron, uh, UCF is what you need to look for because. If the cookie monster in Baton Rouge can find a way to mess it up. What did you think of the press conference video, by the way? It's been making the rounds on the internet where he's trying to have the press conference in the facility and he has to stop not once for twice. Hey, stop throwing the balls on the drill. I'm trying to have a press conference. Not, not once, but twice. He had to stop it. Uh, it it's, uh, you know, again, if you're having to match wits and X's and O's, give me Josh Heupel in the matchup with with Coach O there. I don't know if you have any further comment on that, but if that's the case. No, I no, I don't. I mean, Orgeron is, is uh, <laughs> he's a character, I guess, to say the least. But he's done a good, pretty good job with LSU and, and bringing them back uh, to relevance. Well, remember the opening game of the year with Miami, he used all of his timeouts in the first quarter. All three of them, and two of them coming out of a timeout, whatever, out of a TV timeout. <laughs> Coach you o. know what? You know what? His predecessor was Les Miles. I think they've got, you know, they've they've got a lot of similarities, Orgeron and Miles. You've got a you've got a less Miles 2.0 situation that's there right now. Let's see what happens. Because again, if UCF whacks them, let's say if UCF beats them by two or three touchdowns, you don't think they're going to be screaming in the bayou about what's going on with Orgeron after a couple of seasons? We'll see. That's why they line up and uh, and play those games. All right, lots of college football talk. Kevin, stand by. We're going to bring you back for some NFL conversation as that rolls along. It is Three Dog Thursday. It is the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. One final show in 2018 before we flip the calendar. We've got much more on the way. Stay with us. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com for great in-your-face college theme and NFL theme tees. Go to SmackApparel.com and take 10% off with the promo code 3DOG for Three Dog Thursday. It's SmackApparel.com and the promo code 3DOG. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. 
We are back in once again on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs with Kevin Rogers, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. Once again, bravo to Kevin on the second-to-last three-dog Thursday of the year, three for three for him again, including two NFL underdogs last week. We'll get to his NFL underdog picks in a couple of moments. By the way, that also means that in six of the last seven weeks, Kevin and I have combined for at least two correct NFL underdogs. So pay attention in this segment for that reason. The credibility swells here as part of Three Dog Thursday that in six of the last seven weeks, we've gotten at least two of these right that are coming up. Before we get to the predictions, I know you have been shadow boxing during the commercial timeout uh, and waiting for the opportunity to get back in here and bust up the NFL and the schedule maker what, what's got you so perturbed about the final week of the schedule, Kevin Rogers? I just look at it that you have every single year, and I'm not saying to have all interconference games in Week 17, because you, you, and you can't predict what the standings are going to be like, but there are so many good divisional games that turn out to mean nothing in Week 17. And, you know, you, I feel like in the NFC East, you're wasting games every year. Like the Cowboys-Giants only means something one time. It means nothing this week. When you look at even Carolina-New Orleans, understandably Cam Newton's out, and they're sit, probably going to sit out Breeze because they wrap up the, the division. But, you know, that game, I feel like Carolina-New Orleans always play in Week 17, and the game means nothing. And, you know, you look at a lot of them, and people will say, well, at least you, you don't have any meaningless games, but you really do, you know, and you could still have meaningful games that aren't divisional games. You could still have an interconference game that still means something that one team needs to win to get a, a wild card spot or to win their division or whatever the case is. I, I just don't see why it has to be all divisional games that, you know, a lot of them really just don't mean much. I got to get on you. I got to get on you. You're like Mr. Glass half empty here on this. And I love the glass being half full. And you know this because I work as part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio broadcast an NFL game every week. And what they used to do is have games like you were talking about that had no bearing on your division race or maybe even your playoff hopes. Your opponent would sometimes just be experimenting with a with a bad quarterback because they're out of it. That will still go on some in these scenarios. But, Kevin, look at the games this weekend that mean something between these division teams. I mean, Washington is hosting Philadelphia at home. They can knock Philadelphia out of the playoffs. Chicago is playing at Minnesota. If they win, they essentially knock the Vikings out of the playoffs. In the case of the two AFC West games, the two opponents, Denver at home, and in the other matchup, Oakland playing at Kansas City, they can screw it up. Now, you can't get it right every year with those two teams playing. Uh, but you know with the two teams with everything on the line playing but hey two weeks ago we had the Chargers and the Chiefs on that Thursday night Uh, now they have to win their respective games this weekend again you've got game after game where you look at this and say okay this team could knock this team out of the I mean Arizona not likely to win in Seattle I'm not going to bet the mortgage on that I'm not going to bet the automobile on that but they could, if they pull the upset, knock Seattle out of the playoffs. 
head to head. So there there are still several scenarios here where the Ravens again are playing Cleveland, the Ravens at home. Cleveland could knock them out of the playoffs as a division team. So I, I know in so many of these games, I mean, you mentioned last year for the NFC South, for example, because I live this, they put the games on at the same time and Carolina or New Orleans could have won the division and could have hosted the home game. In Atlanta's case, they couldn't win the division, but they could basically cost Carolina the division win and help New Orleans out. And those games were going on at the same time. And as it turns out, uh, both Atlanta and Tampa Bay won the games last year. The Saints still ended up being the division winner because Carolina lost. I just, I like it better. And we haven't even gotten to a game that I'm going to take a close look at, which is Tennessee and the Colts playing in the division. And the winner is in the playoffs and the loser is out. That's a head-to-head de facto playoff game because it's division games, Kevin. So I'm Mr. Glass half full. The only thing they've done well is, ha- is, I guess, flexing out those games and having them all at the same time that means something. Like, yes, that, that's a good idea. Like, that's smart. And, and years ago, they didn't do that. But I, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, all these teams play five meaningful divisional games and then maybe a meaningful six-division game, you know? And that's just – I feel like they should mix it up a little bit more like they used to in Week 17. Well, and one thing that they have tried to do as best they can is play one of your first two games as a division game by by design, and then the last game is definitely division. So you know you're starting with a division game by and large, or at least in the first two, and you know that the last game is a division game and the rest of that is up for grabs. Because the rest of it, and you talked about this earlier about the NFL schedule, you made a quick mention of it about how equitable it is. A big word, equitable. Sometimes it's not equal, though. I mean, some, some seasons you have teams that get to play three games in a row at home, and in another part of the season they're playing three in a row on the road, and not every team is doing that. You have you have other times where teams are finishing at home for maybe the remaining three games of a season or the remaining two games of a season where another team has to finish on the road for the final two games of the season. Now, they do keep track of this. They rotate it from year to year with the NFL schedule on who has to do what. But you don't play a completely equitable schedule anyway. I just I like the division games that are there, and we're going to hone in on a couple of these division games for Three Dog Thursday uh, purposes that are coming up because I think I saw somewhere where something like seven of the games and most of them are in the late afternoon and then that Sunday night game seven of the games have a situation where a team can be in or out of the playoffs depending on what happens here with these games. how about the scenarios I saw them going over this on the NFL Network Kevin I don't know if you're aware of this part where there are scenarios where teams like the Houston Texans could be the two seed and have a bye or they could be the sixth seed, be all the way down to the final wildcard team on the road. And that also exists uh, as well for the Baltimore Ravens. They can be in as the division winner, and if enough goes right, they can be the two seed still, but they also can be the sixth seed on the road. It just adds to the, it adds to the scenarios. It adds to the playoff drama that we have these teams going head-to-head that are division teams for these different games. So it, it's crazy. All, all the different uh, scenarios, but at least seven of the games out of the NFL 16 games, somebody can get knocked out this weekend. So that's a pretty good job by the strength of schedule and the schedule maker on that. So with that being said, you owe us two underdogs. I have one as well. Where do you want to begin for Three Dog Thursday, sir? I will begin in the NFC East with the Washington Redskins, that they host Philadelphia 
And this is a spot where Philadelphia needs to win and needs Minnesota to lose to get into the playoffs. Now, the Redskins down the stretch, obviously, you know, the Alex Smith injury really hurt them. They had a very surprising season, and then they had to go to Colt McCoy, who got hurt. They had to go to Mark Sanchez, who got hurt. And then eventually they had to go to Josh Johnson. And Josh Johnson may not be great, but at the same time, he has kept the Redskins in both of their games on the road, winning at Jacksonville and losing a close one. Did you get to both of them. did you get to see much of that game with the Titans? Because I saw a lot of that game last week, and I know Josh Johnson a little bit because he's a former Buccaneers quarterback. He's knocked around with seven different teams. He played well at times in that game last week against Tennessee. When they lost, it was not his fault with poor play or bad interceptions. Uh, for a guy that was not even in the Redskins building until a week and a half ago, actually about two weeks ago. Pretty pretty solid play from him uh, to, to bolster your, your pick here of the Redskins against the Eagles. Well, and also, too, when you look at Philadelphia, obviously going to Nick Foles, who has been the savior, in a sense, to that franchise uh, by winning the Super Bowl last year and then filling in for Carson Wentz. They had that huge win as an underdog against the Rams two weeks ago. Uh, you know what, now them laying points, I don't like taking teams with pressure. I re- And laying points, teams with pressure to win, and that's the case with Philadelphia. And, you know, the Redskins hung with them in their first uh, in the first matchup on that Monday night. And I know they had that Adrian Peterson 90-yard touchdown run. Then the Eagles had to open it up in the second half. But I still think that, you know, the Redskins, that they'll want to finish off on a high note and at least, you know, be competitive once again and, and spoil the Eagles season. All right. So that game is actually – uh, a later game because again it has bearing on the NFC wild card picture. It'll be going on simultaneously to the Seahawks hosting the Cardinals and also the Bears at the Vikings. Again, the Bears can have a bye or the Bears may be playing on the first weekend, but the big thing is they can knock the Vikings out of the playoffs uh, with this win. They would have an opportunity to knock Minnesota out. So let's see what happens as again all those games will be going on. At the same time, uh, I am going to go with the Sunday night game here, the game that NBC moved into the Sunday night flex spot that is essentially a playoff game. The playoffs begin for the Titans and the Colts. The winner is in the AFC wildcard picture could be the five seed. Uh, actually can't be the five seed, will be the six seed. The winner will be the six seed because they can't catch either the Chiefs or the Chargers who have 11 wins. So the winner is in as the final playoff spot, and I like Tennessee. I know at midweek we don't know if Marcus Mariota can play. I know he gave a radio interview uh, on Wednesday before Three Dog Thursday here saying that he was still experiencing some numbness in his right arm and his right elbow after the hit he took in the Redskins game in the first half last week. So if Mariota cannot play, it's Blaine Gabbert, who was solid, not spectacular, but solid last week at quarterback. Derrick Henry running the ball. Deion Lewis is part of the one-two punch, not only running it, but catching the ball out of the backfield. Titan defense is good. You've got a Colt team that has been outstanding under first-year coach Frank Reich. They popped the Cowboys two weeks ago. They beat the Giants in the last seconds last week in a comeback win. I know you had the Giants for Three Dog Thursday. The comeback win on the scoreboard counts. But uh, that game was much tougher with New York than a lot of people thought, including the odds makers. And the Colts now on the road, winner-take-all game for the AFC wildcard. I'll take the Titans 
at home. This may come down to a field goal. Ryan suck up the kicker for Tennessee, may boot them into the playoffs. I'll take the Titans in the Sunday night game to advance in the AFC playoffs and figure out who they play off the wild card weekend. All right. So there is my second underdog. What do you, or third underdog, what do you like for a second NFL underdog, Kevin, to round things out? I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos against the L.A. Chargers. I understand that the Broncos were, were terrible on Monday night against Oakland, and they're going to fire Vance Joseph, and it just, you know, they had a promising start, but then things kind of fell apart. But they did beat the Chargers the first time around, and the Chargers coming off not a great performance against Baltimore last Saturday night. And, you know, granted, the defense did as much as it could, but the offense really couldn't generate against, uh, obviously, a very talented Ravens defense. But, uh, you know, for the Broncos, they've been so competitive at home and uh, in the underdog role that, uh, you know, they lost that game to the Chiefs early on, the Monday night game. They didn't cover the closing number of three and a half. They lost by four on the Mahomes late touchdown. But they had that game in the bag. You know, they hung with the Rams. They lost a close one there. And they also beat the Steelers at home as an underdog. So they, they've been pretty good in that, in that uh, role. I know the Chargers haven't lost back-to-back games this season. But still, I think that Denver, you know, they'll want to close out the season on a high note after losing their last three. And, you know, they made a bit of a comeback to hang in the playoff race. And they're going to have a lot of changes there next year. But I think the Broncos will give a good effort there and hang and cover. Always love the insight here with Kevin. More with him here in just a second. First, Three Dog Thursday is also brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. You can play postseason fantasy football coming up with FanPlayoff.com. Draft your NFL uh, players that are ready once the postseason sets after Sunday's games. You have all week to form your league, either three, four, or five team leagues. Find your friends, find your fellow league players, and go sign up for free at fanplayoff.com. You'll play the postseason like you never have before. Your players accumulate their stats and their points all the way through the playing of the Super Bowl at fanplayoff.com. Go find out more. Go hop on the website. Join a league, a three, four, or five-team league. And again, every play, every point will have points riding on it as the postseason unfolds in both the NFC and the AFC. Go to fanplayoff.com. Again, play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free at fanplayoff.com. Okay, so you're going to take the Broncos in that matchup. Hey, Kevin, a quick thought on the final game there with the Raiders, the images of seeing John Gruden, uh, Derek Carr doing the victory lap with the Raider fans. Uh, they get the win. They, they got out to the great start in the first half. They beat Denver. The game didn't end up meaning anything by the time it was played for either team. Pride only. Broncos get the win. Have they played their last game at least for the indefinite future here for at least the next few years in Oakland? Or do you think they find a way to come back? Or was that it? Would they come back? and play Oakland, play in the Oakland Coliseum next year? What do you think? I have no idea, to be honest with you. The way this whole thing is with, with the lease, you know, in Oakland, and I just can't imagine that the NFL is going to have this be a traveling circus. You know, it's one thing with the Saints years ago after a hurricane where they just had no choice, and they played in only two different cities. I just can't imagine that the uh, that the NFL will have that happen that I think they'll figure it out for one year. I would think so, but I, I, I'll be honest with you, TJ, I don't have a clue. It was interesting, though, that if it's the last one there, the Raiders have been playing uh, in Oakland, AFL days, all the way to the NFL days for 60 years. Was that the end? Uh, they're in Oakland. I remember they left in the 90s and went to L.A. for a while, and everybody thought that was for good, and then they came back to Oakland. So in this case, they're eventually going to be in Las Vegas. Will they have one more year in front of the black hole and Raider Nation and all of that? Uh, we'll see. 
uh, about how that uh, about how that ends up and goes. I know you didn't uh, go over this for Three Dog Thursday uh, purposes, um, uh, but the uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers are are both in the mix uh, here. Uh, you the Chiefs obviously were the darlings of the AFC. If they don't win, and I know you just took Denver uh, there against the Chargers at home, but if the Chiefs don't win, is everybody? I mean, is Andy Reid maybe in jeopardy here? As good a season as they had last year, and they're in the playoffs, they blow the game at home. As great as they were through the middle of November this year with Mahomes, if they blow this, if they get beat in the first round of the playoffs because they're not at home, is Andy Reid maybe in trouble? I don't really think so because, look, I understand the point, but what if they got to the AFC Championship and lost? What if they what if they had home field and lost the AFC Championship to whoever? Does that is that still the same thing as like losing in the first round? Like, what does it matter? I guess when he loses, if, if he doesn't win it, then people are going to criticize. You know, even if they got to the Super Bowl and they lost, you know. So I guess I mean that Charger game really. I mean. I mean, you talk about kicking yourself for losing that game, and we, and we, you know, it's pretty obvious. But my goodness, you know, all they had to do was hold on, and, and you know what, your fortunes changed so much. And that was the problem with that Tennessee game last year in the in the playoffs. They couldn't hold on. Like they're building these leads. It's not like they're losing these games twenty eight to nothing. And it's like, oh well, you didn't show up. It's like you did show up. And you just couldn't hold on. And is it Andy Reid's fault? Is it the defense's fault? It's it's a hard thing because I guess I look at it and it says. You know, if you're going to criticize the guy, then when does it matter if he loses? It's just that he lost. That well, be I the guess the, the fan base's complaint is that he can only take you so far. It became a complaint in Philadelphia. They got to the NFC Championship game over and over and over again. They did get to the Super Bowl one year, and they were beaten by the Patriots in that one year. Uh, but in Kansas City's case, it seems like every December they go through this. I, I, I have a, a good friend of mine that is a huge Chiefs fan, and he said, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. We're going to, he said this, we're going to lose out, is what he said, including the first round of the playoffs, and they should fire Andy Reid. And I, I said, do you think that that's, that's very realistic, that they're going to lose? And he said, yes, we're going to lose out. We will lose the final game to Oakland, and then we will lose in the first round of the playoffs to whoever we play. So there's definitely pessimism in Kansas City right now with a couple of losses. Look, it's nothing that Mahomes and the offense can't cure if they win big against Oakland and they end up winning the division. Uh, then they get an off week, and we'll see how it goes. For KC in the uh, in the play, there's no one that can dispute that Reed has had success in the regular season and has had playoff caliber teams. No one's arguing that. But is he a guy that can only take you so far with this? And there always seems like Kevin. One more thought from you. There's always a surprise firing too. I mean, we may see several firings coming off of the end of the NFL regular season on Monday and Tuesday. I'm not saying Andy Reed gets fired after the regular season. Uh, game ends here but after the playoff game you might remember last year you had Mike Malarkey the Tennessee coach they won the playoff game with Kansas City and he was still under fire for criticism of the offense and not getting along with Mariota's skill set and they fired him anyway after winning a playoff game so there's always I'm just pointing this out there's always one year where somebody it's kind of a surprise move uh we'll see we'll see if that's the case yeah, and the Dolphins will keep Adam Gase. So you see how the priorities work. <laughs> we'll see if uh, yeah, we'll see if they stand by him. Is Dan Marino going to end up in that front office? Maybe. I mean, those. No, those... I don't think he. W- I don't think he wants. You don't to. think so? I, honestly, I, I don't think he wants to. Those images Why would of you him. Want to deal with that. Well, I know sitting next to the owner Stephen Ross last week when they faltered and lost to Jacksonville. 
Uh, we'll find. I mean, there was a lot of talk. I was in Dallas last weekend. All right, uh, you know this. While well, we just have a second on Three Dog Thursday, and there was talk that if the Cowboys blew that game against the Buccaneers, again, this is fans, this is radio hosts, sports radio, all this stuff, the internet, that if the Cowboys blew that game and ended up blowing a playoff spot, that Jason Garrett may be out. It would be two years in a row without the playoffs, and Jerry Jones would make a move and go find a different coach. Does he want Lincoln Riley, the Oklahoma coach? Blah blah blah. Well, now the Cowboys have claimed. They'll have it on autopilot for the game with the Giants this weekend, but they know they've got a home playoff game on the first weekend, the wild card weekend. So Jason Garrett would appear to be safe, unless, of course, they're bad in the playoff game and Jerry Jones gets the wild idea that I can go get somebody else to coach my team. So maybe Garrett is a surprise guy. We'll uh, we'll find out if uh, if that is in fact the case. All right, so uh, Kevin, as always, I love to get these plugs in. We've made our underdog predictions. Tell me more about Vegas Insider. All the information for the bowl games coming this weekend as we ring in the new year and the final weekend of the NFL regular season, sir. Yeah, now we're reaching the uh, the better bowl games. No disrespect to all the bad bowl games we've seen so far. We're reaching the better bowl games. You hear my son in the background. Uh, just letting you know he's that. Crying. But, uh, he's crying about how bad the bowl games have been. He doesn't want to hear about the first responder bowl. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we have a lot uh, going on with Bowl Central. You can check out all the matchups there for all the bowl games. And then, obviously, Week 17. And then we get to the playoffs and all the matchups on Sunday. So we got that. College basketball conference play begins this weekend. NBA's rolling. So a lot going on. VegasInsider.com or check us out on Twitter at TwitBI. That's right. Follow this man at VI Rogers. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. We always love uh, the insight that Kevin brings here on the program. And we have come to the end of another year. Now, it's not the final show of the football season, much less into next year. But this is it for 2018. Uh, We're going to ring in the new year coming up. So we tell everybody, be safe. We always say this public service announcement. Don't drink and drive. Be safe. We want you back listening to the show coming next week here on Three Dog Thursday. Uh, And Kevin, we enjoy it as always. And now we get ready for these New Year's Day games, the college football playoff. We suspect that it's going to be Alabama and Clemson, but that's why you line up and play the games uh, for this weekend. Should be wild. We look forward to talking about that. And this time next week, we'll know the NFL playoffs as well. We'll know the college football playoff finalists, the two teams, and we'll know the NFL playoff matchups. I look forward to talking about it with you next week, sir. Yes, definitely. Sounds good. Thank you. There is Kevin Rogers, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. We want to thank you for being with us as well. However you found the show, through RadioInfluence.com, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Rank the show. Rate the show. It'll move up in the rankings. Tell others about it through social media. Also, you can subscribe to our Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute. If you go to Alexa, if you got that new Alexa for this year, for the holidays or for Christmas, go under your, your settings, go under Sports, and find the Three Dog Thursday Morning Minute and subscribe to that and get a dose of Three Dog Thursday all week week long with the morning minute under your flash briefings so uh, we'd love to come your way via alexa or your google dot or whatever you have there with that and you can always find this show we'll be back in the new year in 2019 as it comes out on thursdays again subscribe itunes stitcher google play great stuff happy new year everybody for kevin rogers i'm tj reeves thank you for being with us as part of three dog thursday enjoy the games this is a rush the field quick fix on radio influence 
Alabama has suspended three players just for the Orange Bowl game. No word yet on what's going to happen if they should make it to the national championship game. One of the players suspended is starting offensive lineman Deontay Brown. The other is reserve Elliott Baker, who's an offensive lineman, and Kendrick James, a tight end. Nick Saban uh, said in a statement, quote, it is due to a violation of team rules and policies. Are we talking about something like breaking curfew or something a little more serious for these players? Uh, it could be, could be either. Um, don't know. Uh, obviously, that's a vague way of, of putting it, and um, that's why it's done that way. Uh, it could be, and this happens more often than not. Why? Um, the semester's out. out. The school yeah. semester's out. You're practicing, got a little bit more time, a little bit more time off. They tend to kind of Christmas partying to, you know, you, you know, just the normal things that people do. Um, and just, you know, I'm not I'm not extenuating what happens, but, you know, I hear statistics that, you know, DUIs go up in society on holiday time because more people go to Christmas parties and get behind the wheel with a little too much in them. You know, I, I don't know what happened here and um, may, we may not know the full details, but. Uh, it does appear it will likely be for one game, although, as you mentioned, nothing definite on that. Um, but it is uh, it is it is something obviously involving uh, off the field issues that violated a team rule. And, and they left it at that. Rush the field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Leary can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play and RadioInfluence.com.